everyone, and welcome to something new here at the Skating Penguin Network. Completely new venture that was not the brainchild of myself. It was not the brainchild of Robbie Noggle, but it was the brainchild of our newest recruit, Snail, who came to us when when we recruited him, and he said, well, if you don't give me hosting duties, I will make your lives a living hell, and if you don't take my ideas, I will leave bad reviews all over these podcasting platforms. So this segment, this part of the show, really what the whole thing is going to be called, is called A Mile in Kyle's Shoes, obviously talking about new general manager and president of hockey operations, Kyle Dubas. But uh, I will step out of the way. I will relinquish the microphone and Snail will take it from here about what he sees and what he hopes to make out of this new uh, sort of condensed, short and sweet kind of segment. So take it away. Thank you, Garrett. Um, It's pretty simple. This is just a little bit of a hypothetical segment uh, discussing hypothetical scenarios and putting ourselves in the shoes of general manager Kyle Dubas and uh, just kind of roundtabling questions, comments and concerns uh, regarding the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Again, it's pretty simple, and let's just dive right in, shall we? Let's go with Robbie here. Robbie, you are walking a mile in Kyle's shoes. There are quite a few of serviceable uh, UFAs left on the on the market right now, and um, there, there's at least one notable former Penguin still a UFA out there. Uh, looking up and down your roster, are you satisfied with the lineup the way it is, or are you maybe dipping into free agency again uh, before the start of training camp? Any uh, PTOs, any veterans, and uh, if any, who are you going with and what's the offer? So looking at the roster as currently constructed, I think if nothing else becomes available, I would have to be pretty happy with the work uh, that I did if I was Kyle Dubas. Now, I think that Kyle Dubas is the kind of person that is always looking to improve. Uh, I know that's kind of cliche uh, among general managers or hockey ops people to say things like, oh, well, we're always looking for ways to improve. Uh, so on and so forth. But I, I think Kyle is a guy that is, is out there looking at uh, what options are available. And at this point, it's almost September 1st. I mean, camp starts in about two weeks. So most of your any big names are not going to come from what's left in the free agent pool. Now, trades obviously can always come into play, but I think uh, we all agree that the Penguins' big trade um, is done uh, and, and, and over with for this summer. Um with the addition of Eric Carlson. So I think for the most part, looking at this roster, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I think um, most of my work is done, but looking at the pool of, of players, and this is something, a name that's been thrown around before is Tomas Tatar. Um, that has been mentioned. He has um, confirmed that he has spoken with the Penguins, but as of right now, um, he is still a free agent and the Penguins, um, whether or not they're still negotiating, we don't know at this point. So, I think that that's obviously the big name that sticks out. He would provide um, a presence up and down the lineup when when asked, but from a bottom six perspective, he would add more of a scoring touch, and I think he would fill in um, great as a 3C. Uh, that way Eller doesn't have to uh, fill that role. Maybe Eller can drop down to the fourth line and provide uh, more depth down there. And I think that a guy like Tatar, if you can get the money to work, that's a guy that I would have to take serious consideration. And now – whether or not you first give him a a PTO or yeah PTO and bring him into camp, 
that determines on what his kind of outlook on the whole thing is as well, because I think he's the type of guy that is looking for a guarantee of a contract um, for next season rather than uh, coming to camp and have to prove himself because I think he has, he's still at the point of his career where he's not really having to prove himself, especially I think if you add him to the Penguins roster right now, he is easily uh, a top player. So Tatar is obviously a name that we've talked about and sticks out to me. Uh, but for the most part, um, putting aside the cliche of we're all trying to get better, I have to say that I believe that right now my roster is I'm happy with it. Uh, if the opportunity comes along to improve it, we look into that. But for the most part, if this is the, the roster I'm taking into camp and opening night, I would have to be uh, pretty happy with what I've done this summer. If I was Kyle Dubas looking at what's left you're not going to sign a player like Patrick Kane. You don't have the cap space. He's rehabbing injury anyway and won't be ready until maybe around American Thanksgiving. Big premier name like Patrick Kane is off the table. As Robbie mentioned, the the, the Penguins got their, their big fish out of the way earlier this summer with Eric Carlson. Thomas Tatar would be the only other name that I would really care about adding. As we've previously talked about, on prior podcasts and even here that Thomas Tatar has had confirmed discussions with the Penguins, with Kyle Dubas. Now, whether or not anything leads to that remains to be seen. Obviously, uh, he was not included in a list of PTO contracts that the Penguins handed out earlier today. I think there's a there's a sticking point between the, the term and the money that Thomas Tatar wants and having just about every team up against the salary cap but a select few sort of makes that a challenge for a veteran like Tatar who wants to try and win a championship. So there definitely will be more of an emphasis on defense in the bottom six. That is just evident based on the players, Lars Eller, Matt Nieto, just about everybody that Dubas brought in over the summer really shares that emphasis on defense in the bottom six. Looking at the roster as it's currently constructed, maybe I'm concerned about a potential lack of offense in the bottom six, but I am just excited. The Penguins got their big fish in Carlson. That's obviously going to boost offensive numbers, even as Carlson is a defenseman on the back end. I'm just excited to see what this new and improved, because there was a lot of roster turnover. What is this new and improved Penguins roster going to look like early on in the season? For sure. Um, There's two players that actually kind of intrigue me. If I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm wondering about two former Oilers and uh, both of them provide something a little bit different. And I'd be curious to know what maybe you guys think about this. But if I were Kyle Dubas, I'd be looking at maybe a Zach Cassian and a Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, both of them providing very different things. Jesse Pugliarvi, I believe, um, is rehabbing an injury. I don't, I don't know if he'll be ready for the season. Um, but I mean, this was a high draft pick. I think he was taken like fourth overall, and uh, he just never really found his his game in Edmonton. Um, I think he got a lot of fair looks with Dreisaitl and McDavid and just, you know, I think he kind of found himself working his way down the lineup. And uh, he was, uh, there was considerable backlash kind of towards him uh, the longer his tenure was there in Edmonton. Um, Kind of a reclamation project, but He's a UFA right now. He's rehabbing. I'm thinking, could Mike Sullivan maybe rewire him a bit and maybe uh, breathe some fresh, uh, breathe some new life into into Jesse Pugliarvi? And then Zach Cassian, uh, 
Zach Cassian is a rugged winger. He's a right winger. Um, he's 32 years old. Last season, he played 51 games, had two goals and no assists. Not, he was playing in Arizona. Um, if that uh, that can kind of speak for itself there, but in Edmonton, he actually was McDavid's winger for a season or two. Um, he's he's definitely not like a prototypical offensive guy. He's kind of. Uh, he bangs bodies and makes space out there, but he does have a little bit of a, a of an offensive touch. And I think for that bottom six, kind of like what Garrett was saying, like maybe if you threw him, I'm thinking throw him on the fourth line on, on a right wing or give him a chance in, 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 uh, in preseason and see maybe if he could earn a spot and maybe add a little bit of that. He's, he's pretty fast. He's, he's speedy for, you know, for his age and, yeah, I don't know. I would probably pick him over. I, I would probably want him over a Jeff Carter. Um, but I'm curious, do you guys have any input on either of those two players or or, uh, or should we move on? I would absolutely take a Zach Cassian over a Jeff Carter. Between the two players that you mentioned, Puyo Yarvi and Cassian, Puyo Yarvi far and away would be the player that I, I, would, I would prize over Zach Cassian. Really, in all truthfulness, Zach Cassian does not do anything for me. He does not move the needle. He's a big, rugged, like you mentioned, b- bottom six forward. Yeah, he was on Connor McDavid's wing, and I think he was a byproduct. Those numbers are a byproduct of being on uh, Connor McDavid's wing. 32 years old. He is a right wing. He is a big body. But I look at Jesse Puyu Yarvi at six foot four, 201, 25 years old, a right winger who, like you mentioned, really didn't, it, it, for whatever reason, it didn't mesh with with uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid up in Edmonton. He, Like you mentioned, he is rehabbing that injury, so I'm not exactly sure what the timetable is for his recovery, but absolutely, I would love to take a flyer on Puyo Yarvi because I think he can be a really solid contributor and driver in play. Uh, he has put up points at the NHL level. Maybe not points that are conducive to a fourth overall pick but he has shown a, he has a, some sort of a penchant for for offense so between the two players i'd take a flyer definitely on jesse puya yarvi yeah i mean puya yarvi i believe he went under a double hip surgery this offseason so again he's kind of in the patrick kane boat whereas he's not going to be ready until the all-star break or after the all-star break so um, if he's available then and you can evaluate the team until then um, and you think that he can help, then, yeah, you take a flyer on that. Uh, but until then, it's kind of a wait and see with him because even if you go and try to uh, sign him now, I mean, he's not going to be ready for um, another four or five months. So um, I like what the Penguins have right now. And I think that, I mean, yeah, obviously the Jeff Carter problem is still present. But, hey, maybe now that there's a new regime in place, Sullivan can have a little more freedom to – take guys out of the roster and put them uh, in the press box for games and let some of them younger guys from Wilkes-Barre get a shot. Or I mean, you're not going to get rid of Jeff Carter at this point. He's there for this year and that cap hits there, but um, keeping him off the ice and uh, as much as possible might be uh, is the most benef- beneficial route to go. So you take a look at what you have and you kind of evaluate as the season goes along. And if Paul Yarby is a guy that is healthy come, uh, January, February, then maybe you get the contracts out. But until then, I think you ride with what you have for right now. All right. Let's, uh, we'll move on from that and let's go here. Um, Garrett, you are now Kyle Dubas. 
The power play last year was leaving much to be desired. At home, the Penguins ranked sixth in the NHL on the power play and score 26.9% of their opportunities. However, on the road, they only score on 15.2% of their power play chances, which ranks 31st in the league. Even with the addition of Carlson, the power play remains cold and an area of concern. What are you doing to fix it? And how quickly do the seats of Sully and Reardon get hot? If the power play continues to struggle, the only seat that gets hot, in my opinion at least, is Todd Reardon. It's easier to replace and go through the process of replacing assistant coaches, whatever you want to call them, than it would be to create that all of that upheaval to remove Mike Sullivan. Now, if the Penguins get off to like a one in fifteen start, and we're we're really not winning any games until like the end of November into December, uh, then we can have a, a different conversation and talk about maybe maybe someone behind the bench, uh, a new bench boss needs to be put in. I don't foresee that happening. Talking about the power play, well, let's look. Last year, the Penguins' power play percentage sat at twenty one point seven percent, which was good for fourteenth in the entire National Hockey League. The Edmonton Oilers led the NHL far and away with power play percentage, 32.4%. Edmonton converted all of those power plays. The second closest, the second best power play percentage was the Toronto Maple Leafs at 26% on the dot. What do Edmonton and Toronto both have in common? superstars who aren't afraid to shoot the puck. I'm not saying that Crosby and Malkin are afraid to shoot the puck between Edmonton, Toronto, even Tampa Bay. I'll throw in Tampa Bay's percentage, 25.4%. All of those power plays click. So Todd Reardon, you look at Todd Reardon, who was brought back as this power play guru. And here's what I'll say in defense of Todd Reardon. The Penguins power play at 23.7% finished as the fourth best in the league in 2020-2021. And their goals against average was 2.71, which ranked fifth best in the NHL in 2021-22. Is is this last season with their power play percentage being 14th in the league, is this an outlier? Are we going to get another top five power play unit this upcoming season? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. However, you would think, With the addition of Eric Carlson on that back end, if you can have a power play one unit of Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin, those five players, am I exaggerating? Am I exaggerating when saying that this power play should click at 35 to 40%? Maybe a little bit. Maybe maybe that's the homer in me coming out saying a 40% power play conversion percentage all of that offensive dynamite teams should just be terrified to go against. If you can find a way to have Latang and Carlson on the same power play unit with Gensel in front of the net, Crosby down low and feeding Malkin one-timers from his usual spot, the power play should be unstoppable. In theory, it should be unstoppable. Now, whether they whether they go and that that's the plan that they want to execute, that remains to be seen. We haven't even seen a single game of preseason action yet. We, the training camps have not even started yet. So it'll be a wait and see kind of approach to see how the power play actually shakes out. Will Latang quarterback one unit? Will Carlson quarterback the other? But Mike Sullivan's job is not in jeopardy unless, like I said, they, they go on like a horrendous, legendarily horrendous start to the season. Uh, between Fenway Sports Group talking him up and Kyle Dubas himself talking him up, 
there is absolutely no way Mike Sullivan departs this organization unless it would be some sort of epic collapse. As for the power play, I don't think it's a bold take to say that the power play should be in the top five in the league this season based on how many superstars you have on that unit when the other team is shorthanded. You should be able to find the right man, find enough space to convert on the majority of those power plays just because of how many superstars are out there. Uh, Robbie? <clears throat> yeah, kind of. I mean, I'm not going to – Garrett pretty much – uh, said that everything that I was thinking basically, and I think that what most Penguins fans are thinking as well. I mean, that is an absurd amount of talent to be able to throw out in the power play. Now, typically, you go with one defenseman, four forwards, but typically you don't have two guys like Chris Tang and Eric Carlson at your disposal. And just, I mean, a lot of pressure is going to be on Todd Reardon, but if this is going to be the easiest job he's ever had you would think and if it doesn't work out then you make that change but theoretically this is a power play that should be up there with the best in the league because they're gonna be able to move the puck pretty much anywhere in the zone and if it's a five on three good luck i mean there is no I, excuse if it's a five on three and yeah there's court. no excuse for that puck not to be in the back of the net and even with an empty net you're going to be able to throw on Crosby, Malkin, uh, Latang, Carlson, Raquel, Gensel. I mean, it's going to be an absurd amount of of talent uh, that you're going to be able to put out there. So there's really no excuses uh, that this can't work and this doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, then there needs to be some uh, hard questions answered because Kyle Dubas has given them all the pieces. It's up It's up to them and the coaches now to figure out a way to make it all work. Yeah, that power play one should just be like so scary good looking on paper. But for hypothetical sake, if things do kind of start off rocky, I think that if anyone's seat is getting hot, much like you said, Garrett, it's going to be your Reardon's. Um, but I would say before anyone gets gassed, and like you said, Garrett, it's way easier to gas a, uh, an associate coach, uh, associate coach. But I think before anything like that happens, it's like, don't you try some like kooky stuff with the power play just to kind of like jar them, like maybe throw Jeff Carter net front on like power play one, just like a big body and, and try to just like have a goal, you know, bounce in off someone's ass or something. I think that's more likely to happen first. Nothing drastic, you know, but I'm sure if things go, if things aren't clicking, I mean, this fan base doesn't overreact or anything, right? I have no idea what you're talking about in terms of overreaction. <laughs> uh -huh. This... This is the most level-headed sports fandom that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. This is my uh, final hypothetical for a mile in Kyle's shoes. And I figured let's have a little bit of fun here with football coming up. Uh, Robbie, it's a crisp fall morning. It's a, it's a Sunday morning. It's an off day. Not a lot to do. You are sitting down to marinate on your extremely large and luxurious sectional couch in your mansion to watch the Steelers game. But you're so very hungry. You need something fire to grub on. Now, being the exciting new exec, exec in town, and uh, without even a single game being played, you practically hold the keys to this city with bringing in Eric Carlson. You have no shortage of options. Where are you going for your football for your football feast, and what is your precise order? Uh, I guess it depends on where you live, too. you got to factor that in, because not everything's available uh, all throughout the city. But, oh, man. So... Assuming I'm doing take-in, 
or I'm doing takeout and picking up or whatever. Um, boy, I mean, I don't want to go with something cliche like Permanis or something like that. Um, where would I? I mean, uh, I mean, from a personal perspective, I'm a fan of cooking myself. So, but I'll I'll give you some ideas here. There's a place downtown. Now again, it might be a trip to get there. It's called the Yard. And they do like gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches. And they used to be in the arena. I don't believe they are anymore. But they are bomb. And I would drive down there just to get one of them. And my order would be the uh, grilled cheese mac and cheese, which is exactly like it sounds. It's a grilled cheese on Texas toast with mac and cheese like in the sandwich. So, um, yeah, I would... It's been a while since I've had one, but I would absolutely kill for one. And that is absolutely where I would go, assuming I can drive and take out down there. So, yeah, that is absolutely what I would get um, because, yeah, I mean, I just it's a phenomenal sandwich. Well, if I'm taking the microphone now to, to figure out my eatery, there are so many places in this city that you can go and go and get some some awesome food and watch a Steeler game. Uh, I don't know what time this place is open on Sundays, but if they're open for Steelers games, there is a bar, a bar and restaurant in central Lawrenceville, um, which is, it's considered, it's a neighborhood within Pittsburgh, but it's not really, I wouldn't consider central Lawrenceville downtown Pittsburgh. There's a bar there that I recently went to with my brother-in-law. The bar is called Stinky's. S-T-I-N-K-Y. This bar has some of the best food I have ever had in my entire life to the point where my brother-in-law and I make running jokes at each other saying we have to go back to this place. I don't care what we go out to Central Lawrenceville for because it's it's out of our way. If you're going into the city, you're probably going to go to the North Shore or you know somewhere close to the stadiums because the stadiums are all basically right next to each other or within a closer distance to one another. You're not going to central Lawrenceville beyond the strip district. It's down the, it's down on the Allegheny river, but they have some of the best appetizers. Last time we were there, we had, I think we had their provolone sticks and we had, it was like provolone sticks and like potato skins, but big, really big loaded potato skins they were incredible soups salads pizzas i'm pretty sure this place has won a couple of awards for its food uh, i would not be surprised in the slightest because their food is that good so uh again stinkies in central lawrenceville absolutely 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 fantastic even if i'm not kyle dubas maybe i am uh that's where i'm going to catch a steelers game and get some amazing food well kyle uh Kyle Dubas, I know you're listening. Why wouldn't you? These guys have been the voice of Pittsburgh hockey for years. So I hope you took notes. Yeah, he, uh, I hope I do hope Kyle Dubas listens to three jabronis with a microphone. Uh, I really hope if he's if he is listening. Well, obviously he'll never tell us he's listening unless he reaches out to us on you know Twitter X whatever it's called. But yeah, he, he's a question asker next week. Yeah, he has a bur- <laughs> he has a burner account and. What if uh, I wonder if Brian listens to this? What if Kyle Dubas was Brian in disguise and 
Kyle Dubas has just been giving us content for like the better part of a year and a half, two years doing this, basically. Oh my God, the plot twist of a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, it would be, you know, it would be bigger than Luke Skywalker finding out that Darth Vader was his father. I, Way I mean, bigger than that, yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, or you haven't seen The Empire Strikes Back or A New Hope, well, it's been 40 years and I can't help you there. Uh, <laughs> you just spoiled it for someone. It probably, which, you know, like I said, it's been 40 plus years, so I, I can't help you there. Well, uh, I watch the Seahawks out here mostly. I'm actually not a huge football fan, to be totally honest. Like, the dude, I got to just air this out. I mean, the Seahawks, like, they won that Super Bowl. And that was super exciting. It's in a way kind of embarrassing. Like my my family's loved football for a long time watching the Seahawks, but like our city, like they won that Super Bowl. I'm not even kidding. Like the number of houses painted in Seahawks colors, like the the Xbox green with like the dark blue and like twelves painted on the side of houses, sides of houses. It it's like pretty ridiculous. And I dude, I hated Russell Wilson. I could not stand that guy. What do you, what is your guys' is like uh how do you guys see Russell Wilson, especially during his Seahawks days, not last year, but like over there in Pittsburgh? You're just oh. genuinely not ever prepared to come to Pittsburgh. If you believe what the Seahawks fans are doing is like some kind of yeah, if you think that's off the off the rocker kind of way they behave because this city, I was actually in a couple weeks ago. I was out in Pittsburgh. I was in the Strip District, which is a part of town, kind of off of downtown uh, down here, and it's like like a part of it's like I mean, it's Garrett. It's like a nice part of town. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's like the Main Strip part is at least. Yes, you go like a. I'm not saying it's bad or anything, but like a block or two back where it's more ethnic and there's more bars and it's more of like a working class neighborhood. Like there's every other store is a Pittsburgh sports themed store with just an absurd amount of illegally branded clothing. It is awful, but I love it so much. It's like so Pittsburgh. It's like the home of weird Pittsburgh. Let's put it like that, which you have to experience it for um, to really understand it. But painting their houses blue or Xbox screen, like that's not even it doesn't come close for like to us. Really? Oh, it's it's just a, it's, it's a religion. Insane. It's a yeah, religion. It's I mean, there's people that show up for church in Steeler jerseys. No way. So oh. like when they say like when I was listening to a stand-up comedian recently, Shane Gillis, and he said his sister was in a, a Steelers jersey at, at like going out and he was like her Sunday's best. That's actually that's, not that's even not a, even a joke. That is no. that there's is, they they will wrap newborns in terrible towels. Yes. Oh what yes. I'm not yeah. I can't like it sounds made up, but I'm not making any of it up because it's so absurd. Pittsburgh, that's how it is. It's the I mean, I was at church on Christmas Eve this year, and the Steelers played the Raiders that night, and it was like minus five degrees, and a dude showed up in a Terry Bradshaw jersey to Christmas Eve service <laughs> at like eleven o'clock in the in the morning. And it no one was, thought it was weird, right? Like, no, it's completely standard. It's like nobody bats an eye because it's just that's what Pittsburgh is. And getting back to the other question about Russell Wilson, I don't have any like he's never done anything bad for me to hate him. I just, it's it just he comes off as extremely fake. Yeah, that's just my I, take on Russell Wilson. I always thought he was a little weird, 
Yeah, he's just a big weirdo. Yeah. But yep. to to your point, Robbie, uh he his his whole uh aura about him, and it was evident when they traded him to Denver. I, I'm trying to think of a better word than fake because I don't want to copy what you said, but everything, everything about Russell Wilson's facade as like leader of men, he it's the fakest thing ever. And it it's really genuine. No, it's not genuine at all. And it's really, it doesn't like irritate me to the point where I see him on screen and I'm like, wow, I want to punch this man in the face. It doesn't get to that level. It can rub, it rubs me the wrong way because I've only ever lived my life one way and I'm not trying to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it or just because I'm in front of cameras, I'm not going to act differently. I talk like a sailor with or without this microphone and, um, you know the fact that you can't be authentic and you have to have basically two separate personas when you're in front of cameras and when you're not in front of cameras that rubs me the wrong way everyone here in seattle whether they want to admit it or not like picks up on that because once russell got traded i mean i was having conversations with friends of mine who are huge football fans and i'd be like dude i can't stand russell this and that like i can't i cannot listen to his like pre and post game uh everything everything go hawks go hawks and they were just like dude russell like like how do you hate russell like he's so and then the second he got traded everybody is like oh god i can't stand that dude and it's not because he i mean he got traded it's not like he like left like he got traded and everyone's just like i he's like yeah fraudulent fake there's a facade disingenuous so it's like every and i'm just like okay see you guys all kind of see saw it too it's just like i don't know they are just were unwilling to admit but i don't know i gotta admit now that we got geno smith um <laughs> it's a little bit of a different look now the seahawks kind of have a little bit of a he adds maybe a little bit more of like a gritty vibe to the team, which I, I, I can get behind. But I would have to say that my football fandom, I'm going to watch way more football this year than probably any time before. And my fandom is up for grabs. I'll be tuning into some Steelers games and uh, and, and some and some Hawks games. And, and you know, we'll see what I cut at the end of the season, who I come out cheering for in the, in the postseason. I'm telling you, you have not been to Pittsburgh, but you have to come to Pittsburgh mid to late October, November, when the, both the Penguins and the Steelers are playing, because you will get firsthand experience to what this town is really like uh, on, on a Steelers game day. And when the Penguins are playing at home, it, well, first the traffic is, would just be a nightmare. Uh, that, I'm that putting it, I'm putting it lightly there, but uh, yes, I, you really you just, you just need to come to Pittsburgh. You need to, get your butt on a plane and just drop everything you're doing and come to Pittsburgh. I'll make it happen. I, I, I'm going to make it happen at some point for sure. And I would love to come out East in the fall. Once that maybe the humidity has gone a little bit and I, and, and uh, you, do you guys have a pretty impressive fall? You guys get good uh, leaves changing all the, the, the foliage and whatnot. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. I'm not experienced in the fall foliage, so I don't know if we're in a good place or a bad place. I just know the leaves fall and change color. It's probably good. I mean, do you, do you got is it like a wooded area where you guys are at? Is it like do you guys dense with trees? Where I am, yeah, where I live, uh I'm definitely I live along the Monongahela River basically, but it's uh it's a small very small town and yeah, for the most part it's you you know more back roads and that sort of thing. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's what makes fall is those uh 
a nice little riverbank with some nice trees along it. Yeah, so I, I'm going to have to do it. Who's your guys' quarterback this year? Kenny Pickett, former Pitt product. And I know for Robbie, a part of him dies every time Kenny Pickett does something successful. As the diehard Nittany Lion fan he is. And to, to, to my, I will say, I have adopted the Nittany Lions myself, uh, more so than the Panthers. But uh, I know... If it was between Drew Alar and Kenny Pickett leading the Steelers, I think I know where Robbie would go. Listen, you win a you win a Super Bowl for the Steelers, all can be forgiven. Let's true. That. That's true. I literally well, don't care where you come from if you help the Steelers win the Super Bowl. Wait, who's Mitch Trubisky? He's our backup. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean he's fine in what he does. It's just hope that we don't see much of him. Yeah, if you if that's what I'm concerned about with Kenny Pickett is is he durable enough? And if he's not durable enough, then like Robbie said, you're seeing too much of Kenny or too much of Mitch Trubisky. I guess well do the wait do the Seahawks and the Steelers do they play each other ever? I just know they opened with San uh, San Francisco and if they do play, I'm circling that in the group chat will be lively that day. Steelers Seahawks December thirty first two thousand twenty three. Let's go in Seattle. Wow, that's, in Seattle. I didn't realize so, it was that 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 far out. I thought it was earlier in the season. That's rare that they had to make a West Coast trip that, that late far, in the season. Yeah. yeah. Would you say you guys watch? Like, are you guys like? I mean, being from Pittsburgh and the and with you painting the picture that Pittsburgh is like this this almost like first and foremost a football town. Are you guys watching every game? I've said in the group chat, and I'll just say it on this microphone that. I will. I watch every Steelers game. I watched every preseason game, and I watched more than the Steelers preseason just because, like, I, I'm NFL obsessed. Um, but the Steelers, yes, I'm watching every game, and I'm flipping back and forth between that and NFL Red Zone for fantasy football purposes. Well, that that sort of wraps it up for for this uh, this a mile in Kyle's shoes. The very first a mile in Kyle's shoes. Um, I appreciate you guys giving me the the runway to kind of give this a go, but uh, did you guys want to maybe move on and talk about the 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 few uh, PTOs that Kyle Dubas uh, gave a couple of guys? Yeah, we'll talk about it. You did mention uh, former Penguin or uh, Carl Haglin retiring today, announcing his retirement due to some ongoing issues he's had trying to rehab a, an eye injury. So happy trails to Carl Haglin. Uh, he will be immortalized in Pittsburgh forever. HBK. Uh, HBK forever, absolutely. Uh, so all the best to Carl Haglin in his future endeavors. Let's talk about these three PTOs that for just a second, uh, not really any earth-shattering news. Out of these three players, between Mark Pissick, uh, Libor Hayek, and Austin Wagner, out of these three players, the one that intrigues me the most and may have the best chance to make or the roster is this defenseman 30 year old mark pissick who as robbie told me before we started recording is rehabbing a, an achilles injury so we'll see if he how what kind of rust he has uh throughout training camp and preseason but he could be competing in all honesty he could be competing for that third third pair right-handed spot with chad ruedel mark friedman I think P.O. Joseph is going to be your left-handed defenseman on that third pair. Who's going to be the right-handed defenseman? Well, I, maybe maybe that's one of the few competitions we have here this season. Where, where do you guys what do you guys think of Chad Proweedle? 
like he's been pretty solid to plug in on that third pairing for like years now and he's never like demanded a ton of money he's never like wanted out I, he's been pretty solid but would you, how do you guys feel about him and how would you feel if he ended up having to actually compete for that third spot maybe getting a full-time role or uh, or maybe seeing this mark pissett guy take it from him he's never complained like 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 you said he's always taken just about league minimum it's like he knows his role and he knows that he's not above his role he knows he's a sixth slash seventh defenseman and he knows what he's good at that he and every team has to have at least one of those guys that can plug in during injury i it wasn't this this past season i don't believe it was the season before where Ruedel played in like 75 games he was the he was the third pair right-handed defenseman i think two seasons ago so, I mean, it's a good problem to have if what we're discussing is who's going to win the battle of third pair right-handed defensemen instead of like, oh, God, Sidney Crosby is dead for seven months. How are we going to survive without Sidney Crosby? It's a good thing that we're having this discussion about the benefits of Chad Ruedel compared to Mark Pissick. Also, that Mark Friedman guy. Dude, I love Friedman. I love the way that that guy plays. I wish he got a longer leash. If, God, if I could walk a mile in Sully's shoes, I would be looking for every opportunity to give that guy like I, just more ice time. And I just want to see what he's got. I, he plays with so much jam. He's fast. He's just a little like, he's, he's full of piss and vinegar out there. And I love it. But I mean, obviously, you know, He's always seemed solid just with the eye test. I don't know his analytics personally, like off the top of my head. There's obviously a reason why he hasn't earned a longer leash with uh, with Sully and Inco. But man, if I've been rooting for that guy since since day one. That's a Ron Hextall leftover. That was one of the first moves I think Ron Hextall made as general manager as the Penguins was claiming Freeman off waivers from his former team, the Flyers. It was, uh, and then his first game, he played the Flyers, and he scored a goal, and then he oh, got a concussion right. and was out. That's right. Free, whether it's Friedman, Ruriedel, Pesic on this PTO, um, I, they're not they're not uh, needle movers as far as I'm concerned. Good depth, you can never have too much defensive depth. But I mean, I think I've taught I've spent more words on Mark Pesic and Chad Ruriedel than I thought I would. So <laughs> that other guy, Austin Wagner, he's a uh... I actually know a little bit about this guy. My buddy Andy, uh, also known as Mr. Shit, if you're listening, what up, Andy? Uh, he's a big Kings fan. He's been a Kings fan for a very, very long time. I, I know I should look back if I can look in the depths of our our uh, text messages. I remember watching a Kings game, and and this Wagner dude. I mean, he's he's never scored more than. A handful, actually. I he guess he scored twelve in in 2018, 2019. He's uh he's not exactly flashy with the offense. What he is flashy with is speed. This guy is faster than shit. Uh, I remember in a, in the text message him being like, "Man, the Pens could use a speedy guy like that." This was must have been like right after we lost Carl Hagelin. Um, anyways, I do remember commenting on this guy, and lo and behold, years later, it's come to fruition. He's in Pittsburgh on a PTO. So again, not a needle mover, this guy, but um, he could definitely add some some uh, significant speed to the bottom six. Well, we'll see what kind of competitions get carved out here as training camp gets underway and as we move into preseason. Do either of you have anything else to add before 
we take these shoes off. What kind of shoes does Kyle wear, you think? Is he like a dad, like dad Nike, like New Balance guy or like a Crocs or like, is he like Gucci loafered out? I mean, what is he, 37, 38, something like that? I thought he would be younger. I thought he was younger than that, but you're probably right. So, I mean, it'd be hilarious if he wore New Balances, like the the preeminent dad shoe with like high (laughs) white tube socks and, you know, gray cargo shorts and a t-shirt. If you want a, a description of Pittsburgh, that that's what it is right there. Maybe he's in full uniform. Maybe some grass stains on the on the dad shoes from mowing the lawn. Yes, but no, I don't have anything else to add. Alrighty, well, for Robbie Noggle, as always, for Snail, as always, I have been Garrett Behanna. Uh, well, thank you to Snail for letting us play pretend as Kyle Dubas this week, and we will talk to all of you again very soon. <laughs>